This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 29 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and as ever I'm joined by Gary. How are you getting on? I'm learning to count because uh, like, last time, last week I promoted episode 28 as episode 27. Oh. So 20, 29, 29. Yes, so, one away from 30. One away from 30. I'd make a joke about it being my age but that joke failed last time I made it so I'm not <laughs> going to do it again. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, that might that might be my fault for being a bit slow, but uh, you know we'll, uh, we'll we'll move past that one. Yeah. Uh, um. So, uh, yeah, we've we've got a couple of games to look back on. Um, one I think we can probably look back on a lot more favourably than the other one. So we'll start with uh, with Saturday. Uh, Two 0 the away win at Morecambe. Uh, it seemed to be almost business as usual, really, didn't it? We sort of got our seemed to get our heads in the game. Um, I, I will admit I've not seen the full game. I've only seen the highlights, and I didn't listen to it at the time because I was in the middle of the uh, the the gaming thing, which we'll, we'll talk about at the end a little bit. But um, yeah, I think it it sounded a bit sort of business as usual. Um, Bruno got his his brace. Um, two two really good goals. The first one was a inch perfect strike, just clipping the top of the bar as it went in. It was, uh, sorry, clipping the underside of the bar, sorry, um, as it went in. Really good finish. Um, second goal was just as good, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know you, did you go, did you go over to Morecambe? I, I didn't. I have seen the full game though. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, your thoughts on it, because uh, you, you can probably speak a bit more than I can about it. Yeah, well, it's interesting to hear you say business as usual, then, because I'm beginning to wonder exactly what that is. Um, is us saying business as usual part of the problem when we end up drawing matches? I mean, we've got a yin and a yang when we're doing the uh, analysis this week because obviously we've we've got two extremes. We say business as usual because we've gone to Morecambe and we're in the bottom half and we've won 2-0. It's 11 v 11 and we've gone and won a football match away from home. So 
maybe we're a little bit too blasé about it. Maybe mm. we're thinking we're top of the league. This is, and you know, I'm not. This isn't a criticism of you, mate. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I would have said exactly the same thing. Mm. But it just occurred to me that actually we've gone and won a football match. We've played well. Um, I thought we played confidently. My dad said we played, in his opinion, because he did go to Morecambe as well. He thought being there, we played some of the best football we played um, all season. Um, not scintillating, Luton winning 7-0 football, but confident football, playing mm. it about, probing, stretching as we do across the back, which I know people get more and more frustrated about every single time we do it. But it's part of our plan. You know, it gets them moving from left to right, from left to right. And we're moving the ball about with ease while they're running. So it's tiring them out. It was a good win. I'm not going to wax lyrical too much about Bruno. We know what he's capable of. He's a fantastic player. Uh, it was a good goal. Um, he had a very good game. Didn't get man of the match off Tomo. That was Danny Rowe. Got man of the match. Interesting. I actually really rated O'Hara, which is why when we move on, I'm, you know, I'm very disappointed from last night. But I thought O'Hara had a great game. Big, powerful-looking unit. Got from box to box really well. And that's part of our problem, is that we don't get from box to box really well um, on, on some occasions. So when we do, it looks very good. Because when the ball's dropping 25 yards from goal, you need somebody on it. For the last two years, I've had Alex Woodyard on it. That's what Alex Woodyard did. People mm. say, oh, you only have a pass sideways. Now he picked second balls up 25 yards from either box. So when it dropped out from an attack, Woodyard picked it up. When it dropped out from us defending an attack, Woodyard picked it up, spun and faced forward or sideways. Mm. And we need that now. And I thought O'Hara did that really well on Saturday. Um, and I think when you, that's the link. That's the link that we've lacked all season. And we're top of the league, so I'm not going to start criticising. But that's what we've lacked. We defend really well as a unit. We didn't get to see a lot of that against Morecambe because, let's be honest, they're not great. I was going to swear there, but I'm not, I'm not going to be disrespectful because my dad said um, he found them the most pleasant football club he's ever visited. Now, yeah. my dad could look in the mirror, uh, see his own reflection in his own lounge and call it a shithole to make himself feel better. So <laughs> when he goes somewhere else and says it's a nice place, you know, I want to move to that place. Um, I certainly, you know, that's how good it must have been. So I'm not going to criticise them, but they are bottom end. Mm. Um, so we didn't have to defend well. We had to attack well. Our attack isn't about pass, 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 pass. It's about tenacious. It's about waiting for that gap. It's about finding that runner. Mm. Um, but it's bringing those together and it's where we've struggled this season. And I thought we did that really well on Saturday. Um, so that I, it was a well-earned three points. Yes, business as usual because top should be whoever they are. But last year we went there and we were challenging. It was nil-nil because they set up and we had to go and take them apart. And this Lincoln City team don't do as well dismantling, mm. um, which will kind of, you know, well, that will cover a little bit of the forest green as well. But we, we don't do as well when teams kind of just stand there with their chest out going, come on, get us, you bastards, because we kind of think, oh God, how are we going to do it? And we begin to panic and freeze a little bit under the pressure. And we went to Morecambe and we didn't. And I think um, I think you saw a glimpse. That for me is Lincoln City. You know, mm. as I've said before, we don't tear teams apart. We're not <clears> scintillating. <throat> that's Lincoln City. We're methodical. We score a couple of goals. We keep it tight. Um, so if, if that's business as usual, yes, it was business as usual. But it's three points away from home. Never underestimate the wins. That's all I'll say, never. So, mm. yeah, that's my thoughts, mate. Okay. Yeah, and no, I think from, from what I've seen, from what I've heard and from what I've read, um, it, it sounds, yeah, it, it sounds like it was a, a comfortable, a comfortable day out, shall we say? Um, yeah. um, should we also talk very briefly about Jilks and Smith? Where do you stand on that? Right. So, 
I was sort of of the opinion that um, Jilks was brought in on Saturday partly because, um, well, to be honest, I think it's partly to do with the fact that Smith got absolutely battered the weekend before. Um, if if I was in that situation, if I was the you know if I was the goalkeeper in that in that position, um, having been you know clattered into the post and then brought down again in the second half, I don't know whether he would have been completely fully fit, and that's just me speculating. I don't know anything, but um, it wasn't a surprise because I think uh, you know there's been a few people, not necessarily calling for Smith's head, but I think there's been a few interesting moments shall we say when um when it, it it's looked like he's he's maybe let his guard down and and lost concentration for a couple of seconds and um yeah i i don't know i mean from from what i saw again I'd, i've only seen some of the highlights um it, you know jokes made an amazing save towards uh well was it the second half when he, he got down low to yeah. his right and, and tipped it around uh tipped it away from the goal um, really, really good save, and I think uh, he, he almost kind of justified the decision with that one move. Um, having seen him, and we'll we'll come on to to last night's game. Um, having seen him last night, I actually think he looked really good. I think he looked calm. Um, I think he looked really composed. He, he was uh, not afraid to let his feelings know to the defence as well on on a couple of occasions. Um, I, I I think he probably put in the kind of performance which justified picking him over Grant Smith. Um, whether we potentially pick him over uh, Josh Vickers or not, I don't know. But he definitely, you'll have to excuse the uh, person on the extremely loud motorbike outside my window. Um, he, yeah, he, he seemed to be, he seemed to be confident and assured in what he did. I mean, um, I know we, we sort of briefly had a conversation about it. I think it might have been off air last week, but uh, I mean, how did how did you think it it worked with the that switch around? You don't win the League Two title with Grant Smith in goal. Um, incredibly harsh. I appreciate that. Perhaps decent keeper. I put Grant Smith in the same bracket as Paul Farman. In he's a good, honest keeper. He's got elements about his game that are very good. But once or twice recently, I've looked and I've gone. Josh Vickers saves that, particularly the header against Berry. Um, and I believe it was the second Berry goal as well. I just, I thought one of those two was saveable. I think with Vickers or Jilks in goal, we beat Berry. Mm. Um, I know that Chair's efforts were stunners. I know that Smith actually pulled off the save that prevented us losing 3 2 um, at, at one point. I actually think he should have done better with the second goal for Stevenage as well. I thought it was straight at him at a height where he could have got something on it. Um, don't want to be overly critical, but I, when I see Grant Smith, I see a lower-end League Two keeper. When I see Matt Jilks, I see a keeper who has played for Scotland, uh, who has spent time on the books at Rangers uh, and who was in a League One playoff team last year. That's the sort of keeper that you win a League Two title with. You could see it last night. It's loud. Um, he's aggressive, not afraid mm. to kick some arses if he needs to. Good shot stopper. His kicking was a bit wayward. Uh, same with mm. Josh Vickers. When Vickers is fit, for me, he's number one. Big lad. Keep, I, I will predict that Josh Vickers will play regular championship football by the time he's 30 years old if, he's, if he regains this fitness and finds his fitness because I think he's that good. I think he could be that good. You know, He's only 22. How many keepers? 
play. And okay, he hasn't because he's injured. But if he wasn't injured, he would play 46 games this season as our number one keeper at 22 years old. That's the sign of a great goalkeeper, a good goalkeeper. So... Yeah, I think yeah. I think Jules coming in was entirely justified against Morecambe. And I think between now and the end of the season, if Vickers isn't fit, Jules plays. And it sounds harsh. I know that. Um, I think Grant Smith was on a one-year deal. No, he's on a two-year deal, isn't he? He's not out of contract. He's on a two-year deal. Uh, wouldn't Ooh. surprise me to see him go out on loan again next year. Um, I, th- I think Danny actually thought Vickers was going to play all year and he could bring Grant Smith in uh, as cover. And if Smith, if if Vickers got injured, could call an emergency loan in because he would be able to do that, and then he could bring in a Jilks or a Slocum or something like that. Mm. Uh, and I think that Slocum was poor. I think Smith played too many games, which then made him a, a senior keeper, and then we couldn't call in an emergency loan. So, um, yeah, um, I, I can't I can't disagree with you. As I say, from from what I saw. Um, Last night, I mean, I don't think there's going to be too much more to talk about in terms of the Morecambe game, um, but we'll we'll move on to Tuesday. And, and the, one of the positives for me was that I, I did think um, I did think Jokes played quite well. I think uh, you mentioned about his kicking. I think for the majority of the game, I thought his distribution was actually pretty solid. Um, there was a couple of well, there was one instance in particular where he kind of uh, I think it was the yeah, it was first half where he kicked it and um, just put a bit too much into it and it went over the head of everybody as they were, um, as he was trying to get it out to the wing. But um, other than that, I, I didn't think he he was too bad. I think there was obviously one instance where he passed it out to Toff and, and Toff kind of miscontrolled it and it went out for a throw-in. But um, <laughs> That's being yeah. fair. You put the word controlled in there. Yeah. <laughs> it went under his feet. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I just think I think he looked really solid. Um, it didn't, for want of a better phrase, it didn't put the fear into me when you know when when the ball came across. You just think Jokes has got this, and sure enough, you know the the, the hands sort of come out of nowhere and, and pluck the ball out of midair. Um, but let's uh, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about um, the the Exeter game. Um, first and foremost, their free kick was was fantastic i mean i personally i don't think it should have been a free kick i from where i was stood uh it looked like jason shackle won the ball um and a lot of people around me were going well what's happened why is he giving a free kick there oh well we'll deal with it and then you know come back but unfortunately it was an absolute rocket straight into the top corner and uh i well there, there wouldn't have been many keepers that would have been able to save that i think you said as much in your, your post on the blog where you said you know even if you were eight foot tall with well, was it Pans for hands, I think you used, or, or something Chopping like that. Board. Chopping um, boards for hands. There you go. Um, if you even if you were there, you probably wouldn't have been able to save it. Um, it was a stunning strike and a, a goal worthy of taking the lead. And then after that, I mean, it was crap, wasn't it? I think we had a good first ten minutes, um, and then we just seemed to to lose our way a little bit. Um, and I don't want to be overly critical and overly harsh, but it, it did seem that. There was moments where the ball kind of it just didn't seem to go where we wanted it to, and we, I don't think some of the people, some of the players seemed to know where they wanted to go in the first place. Um, misplaced passes. There were calls for man on that, that maybe were ignored, and you mentioned Mark O'Hara um, having a good game at Morecambe. I, he made up for it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, um, he, he was. Uh, you know, he was taken off um, uh, second in the second half, and 
you could see why. I don't think he had the best of games. And um, there were some instances where he, he just put the pass the wrong way or he, he kind of he got caught in possession and, you know, Exeter picked it up and, and went on the attack. But one thing I want to put straight from, from my point of view is that um, I, I did see a few comments saying that Exeter were one of the better sides that have visited Central Bank this year. I think in terms of possession and actually playing the ball to feet, I thought they looked impressive. They looked, you know, they looked like they knew what they were doing. And I think they really did put us under a lot of pressure and didn't give us a lot of time on the ball, which is what I know Danny tries to get in terms of, when you're, you're trying to you know make your way through the through the pack and through the field, you, you, he tries to keep people on the ball for a little bit. Exeter knew we were going to play that way, and they kind of they tried to flood us quite quickly and, and shut everything down. Um, and they did really well with that. But I don't think Matt Jokes had many saves to make throughout the um, throughout the course of the evening. So, um, I mean, is there anything you want to add to in terms of the first half? Because the second half's a yeah. whole different kettle of fish. So uh, yeah, there is. Okay, away. Because the first half was was poor, but Christy Pims made more saves than Matt Jokes after the free kick, which is the period everyone says, "Oh, we were shocking." John Akindi's had a free header eight yards from goal that he's put wide from a Harry Toffolo cross. Mm-hmm. Actually, thought Kindy was poor in the first half. Thought he played well in the second half. Um, thought he worked hard. Thought Toffolo wasn't on it. Thought Erdley wasn't on it. Yeah, you know, balls. Were, every, every single player on the pitch played a stray pass at some point, and it was just a competition as to who could play the most stray passes. Which Neil Erdley won, funnily enough, by um, a thousand. Uh, and then there was uh, Pim actually pulled off a save from Tom Pet. Now people won't remember that because what what was happening was the ball was going astray. And so then when Pet got on the ball and he ran through, people was kind of like, oh, the exit defence has opened up. Oh, he should have buried that. If actually look at it, he's kind of beat a man. He's made his way into the area. So it's a box entry. Danny loves box entries. Valentine's Day is fun. And um, <laughs> fired straight at Christy Pym. And Pym hasn't held it. He's parried it and then gone and had to pick it back up. So it was a decent effort. So we weren't... I, I used the word woeful at the time, because I'm sat in a stand surrounded by people who are doing nothing but telling me how shit Lincoln City are. So, um, and I believed it and I've come away and I've had a think about it and we were poor. I'm not going to dress it up. You know, that's not the performance that you expect from a team that's going to win the league. When people come out with statements like, you have to play better than that if you're going to win the league. Mm, not so sure. I think somebody else mm. put, uh, Johnny Kindy isn't a good striker. Fact. Never, ever, ever put fact after something that isn't fact. And, you know, if you put the Taj Mahal is in India, fact, bingo, you're you're on the right lines because it is a fact. If it's opinion, mindless opinion um, that is open to conjecture, that's not fact. So don't say it is. And I've done it once in the past as well, because I said that Lincoln wouldn't be where we were now without John Akindi. Fact. Don't know whether it's true or not. So. So, yeah, I didn't think the first half was great. It left me feeling empty. It left me feeling cold, miserable, bitter and angry as well as insular uh, and allowed me to ignore everybody stood around me, particularly my father who had had six pints and at that point decided that everywhere was once again, in his own words, a shithole. So, um, yeah, that was the first half. And then I was the, the one bit inside me that was positive was thinking second half can't get any worse. So back over to you for whether it did or not. Um, I mean it 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 didn't until the last sort of fifteen minutes, really, did it? I think um, you you got it absolutely spot on in uh, in the blog again when you said that people 
after the game saying that the substitutions changed the game. There was one substitution that changed the game and it was really coming on. And it was because, as you said, as you stated, it was it wasn't because he came on and played an absolute blinder. It was because we came on and we changed the way that we attacked the game. Um we we kind of reverted back to direct Lincoln or long ball Lincoln or however you want to phrase it. I think um um when Kean Bolger came on, I, I said to myself, well, why is he bringing a defender on when we're 1-0 down? And then you watch you watch what happens and Bozzy kind of moves up into almost sitting behind the attacking midfielder or that second striker role, you know, sitting behind the number 10. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was one of those moments when you, you could almost sense something coming. And we've had a few of those moments as Lincoln City fans um, over the past few years when you think there's something, that's, you know, there's, there's something building, there's something building. The crowd didn't get on their backs. They they stuck with them. They tried to keep everything, you know, as alive as we possibly could. Um, and then there was the penalty incident. Now, um, we, well, I particularly have been quite outspoken about some of the refereeing performances I think that was a decision last night that everyone in the ground knows that he got wrong, including the referee. If we're, you know, if, if Danny and John are to be believed from what they said after the game, um, the referee has apparently come out and said, yep, I, it, it seemed, you know, I, I probably got that one wrong. Um, it, it looked like he went down in installments, as I think the wording was. Um, and it was, it was a disappointment to see that he, um, you know, he, he got that one wrong because, Maybe if that would have been given and it had gone in, maybe it would have swung the momentum a little bit earlier. But you know, if ifs and buts and all that crap. Um, but the fact that that you know the team held on and, and they they fought to the very end. Um, I'm I'm like you. I don't think John Kindy had a great game um, until probably the last five ten minutes last night. Um, and I will. You know, I think people are aware. Um, I'm, we're a bit of, you know, kind of staunch John Akindi defenders, but um, he 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 didn't he, he didn't seem on it. But then none of the team really did. Um, but then last minute, you know, the, the ball comes up, uh, gets punted upfield, flick on, comes down to his feet, and he just stabs it home. Um, and we all went absolutely ballistic, including Mister Russ Taylor, who uh, from Sky Sports, who had to do his piece to camera. Um, and then as soon as it, as soon as the lights went off, he was celebrating with everybody else as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in your opinion, how did the second half go? I know it's, um, it's probably a bit of a loaded question, that one, but, uh, yeah, what do you think? Didn't think Exeter were great again. I thought they retained possession well. They had one moment where they could have added a second, um, where they got in behind down our left, which... You know, I like Harry Toffler, he's a good player, but the number of times that I have said words along the lines of they got in down our left is unbelievable. Um, mm. And then the subs did change things to a degree. Maybe I missed Shea McCartan, um, what he did. I don't know. Didn't seem to do an awful lot. Maybe he changed our shape a little bit. But it was certainly when Reedy came on. And what really angers me is when people go, oh, Reedy changed the game. He didn't. Um, the formation change and the change of approach changed the game. Mm. And really is a key part of that. So he's part of the change. He's not the change. So anyone that then says, well, next week we should start with Reedy up front. You can't play the way that we played at Morecambe with Matt Reed up front. You have to then play 4 4 then get even another gap in midfield. Um, so I, you, we can't do it. And I mean, I've seen some people say today, well, we won away at Coventry uh, last year, um, playing 4 3 so we should do that. 
the reason I, I think that we probably failed to maintain an automatic promotion charge last season was because we went 4-3-3, because we mm. didn't really have any other option than to play um, Palmer. Sorry, I, I have to conjure that up from somewhere low down <laughs> in my throat when I say it, uh, and, and Reed and Green. Um, and, you know, we went all out in those games, and we it was it, it was good, but you never knew what was going to happen. We, we won against a poor Coventry side who ended up going up. But anyway, it's by the by. But no, Reed coming on and the change of emphasis changed the game because we went back to what we were good at. We were loading the ball into the box. Reed is better at winning flick-ons than John Akindi. I'm not going to argue against anybody who says that. And people say it to me as if they're slapping me in the face with a sock full of gravel. They say, they come up to me and they kind of go, yeah, but Matt Reed's better in the air than John Akindi. I know. I know he is. Um, mm. But that's not why we should play him because John Akindi also runs the channels very well and he's trying to do two jobs in one. And he got in the mm. channels. Uh, and I think if you look at the penalty incident in particular, that's a Matt Reed header, but it's not a flick on. Matt Reed heads it back and then the ball's nodded back over the top for a kindy. So we're kind of playing head tennis. And I wonder a little bit if Danny and maybe Nicky fear being labelled long ball because we do it well. And whilst I don't want to see us play it every week because we don't need to, we prove that at Morecambe. Be nice, I think, to see us actually go to Forest Green and play it. Forest Green likes to play it on the floor. Let's go there and be a load of big nasty brutes and hunt the ball forward and, and then hunt them impacts when they're on the ball. But anyway, so that's the long ball. Brings us on to the penalty, hundred percent penalty, no doubt at all. You could see it anywhere in the ground. You know, people say, Well, from where I sat it looked like a penalty. From where everybody sat it looked like a penalty because it was a penalty. Um the only person mm. that that wasn't in a good position was the one that was mobile wearing black because he was unsighted. He had the balls to tell Don John and Danny afterwards that I think he said it, he had 80% vision. He thought he went down in installments. The referee would have hoped that the ball was going in. That's what he wanted. He wanted the ball to drop inside the post, so he didn't have to make the decision. Um, but a goal and a red card at that point, we go on and win the game. Um, but I'm not going to criticise the referee because I thought by and large, I thought he had a very good game. Mm. Um, I thought he let quite a he let the game flow. He wasn't too busy on the whistle, and it was us that broke it up with misplaced passes and and mistimed runs and miscommunication uh, and, and and everything else. Um, not the referee. I thought he had a decent game. And then you come into the end of the game. You come into the uh, the winning goal. Actually, came courtesy of a long throw, well, and that's the, something. <clears throat> not the winning goal. The well, it felt like a winning goal, Ben. It felt like a winning goal. So I'm going to turn yeah, my little yeah. my little faux pas around there um, <laughs> because it, you know it, it came from a long throw. My dad kept saying from behind me, "Where's this long throw come from? That's something that's bloody new." In turn, it's like, "Yes, Dad, it is." Um, but it, we use it. We used it quite well. It, it created mm. a couple of chances for us, or half chances. Um, long throw comes in, ends up at the feet of John Akindi, bumbles his way through, and and pops it in the back of the net. Elation felt like the winning goal, allegedly. Um, <laughs> so you come away from that. We're still unbeaten in the league since Boxing Day. The only team to have beaten us in 2019 are on the Forbes richest football clubs in the world list. I mean, everyone's on it somewhere, but they're, you know, they're something like 15 or 20 or 25. Um, not a bad position to be in, is it? And Barry got thumped by Portsmouth uh, in the <laughs> semi final, Wembley semi final psychologically that might be a big thing yeah um i mean it you've got it you've got it spot on i think it's it, it's one of those where if it had been um if if we'd have come away from that last night not getting the point 
it would have been, oh, well, you know, we've we've only won one in X number of games. But as it actually stands, the narrative is now, yeah, but we've only lost once, you know, one in 11. Or, sorry, no, were we one, one in 11? One in 18, sorry, yeah, Unbeaten that's right. in 11. That's it, yeah. So... I know it's a bit of a cliche and we, we keep saying it, but but the, you can make the stats say anything you want. And at the moment, to me, the stats are, are looking pretty good. We're three points clear at the top of the league. Some would argue it should be more, but it's not. We're three points clear. We need to get behind the you know get behind the team and and hopefully increase that and and hope that other teams maybe underperform and you know ultimately destiny's in our own hands at this point. If we if we can match Berry or Mansfield game for game. We will win the league, and we will go up. There's no, there's no way of questioning that. Um, and not yeah, I mean, it, not above criticism, though. I will stress. Oh that. no, absolutely not. Not absolutely um, not. I think that rightly so. I think we've we've tried to pinpoint the criticism tonight yeah, and say, look, the, the the criticism is is that certain players had an off day last night. You know, there were too many misplaced passes. I think they would they didn't seem to click. And and Danny said as much in his post match interview where he said that we've struggled to find our rhythm at since a wank. I think um, I think when your blip um, comes with an eleven league match unbeaten run and one defeat in eighteen, and that's what our blip has come because it's these draws. Um, hmm. I think that's a bad blip to have. No. I'm not convinced. Like I say, I, I'm not convinced that the uh, the disappointment of missing out on Wembley will be a positive for Barry. Um, not convinced that losing Tyler Walker is going to be a positive for Mansfield. So we've all got little elements that we've got mm. to try and consider going forward. MK Dons have had their blip; they're looking really good at the moment. Um, but it's it's going to be really interesting um, this weekend, especially because. They've all got relatively winnable home fixtures. Yeah. And we haven't. Yeah, I mean obviously, you know, we're we're taking the uh making the trip down to Village Green uh at the weekend and it's um it's gonna be an interesting one because the the thing that I personally felt they were missing when they came to the bank earlier in the season was a decent striker. And well, they've got that now. They've got Christian Deutschberg. So it's going to be a tough challenge. Um, I, I personally can see it continuing with the run of draws, but we almost seem to be a bit of a bogey team for Forest Green. Whenever we've played them in the past, they've there's something that's happened that's been a little bit of a moment of magic, and and we've managed to come away with it. But uh, we're not going to do a big sort of in depth analysis on Saturday because um, we've we've already talked for nearly half an hour on the on the previous two games. But um, quick thoughts on on where you see where you th- see things going. I mean, obviously we're going to have Harry back. That'll be a, a big boost because um, I think we've looked a little bit anemic down the right. If I'm brutally honest, um, particularly last night or Tuesday night. Um, I mean, yeah, your your thoughts on on Saturday? We'll win. I think we'll win the game because I think it's the sort of game that we do win. Um, it's a game where they're going to come at us. So we don't have to have a game plan other than stop them uh, and, and expose them. And I think we're better at that. I think Danny and Nikki are very good at analysing a team, looking at the way a team plays and, and, and stopping their threat. Whereas I think mm. when teams come to us, certainly teams like Stevenage, Northampton, uh, Exeter, they basically, as they say, stand there, rip their shirts off, and go, "Come and get us!" Then, and and they stand there as a, as a line of two banks of four or five or wherever they want to set up. So, I think that we mm. we 
we can go and win the game. I think we have more substance and I think we have more team spirit than Forest Green. Might be a bad thing to say because I don't know what it's like in their dressing room, but Mark Cooper's their leader. So I'm guessing it's not all flowers and opal fruits um, because he's, he's he's not a great man manager. What they have done this year is they've kept most of the squad together, which I think is quite interesting. Mm. Um, because they've in in weeks gone by or in years gone by rather they've struggled they've struggled to keep a team together mm. because he stands in the dressing room and says those who are with me go and sit next door and door on the dressing room starts swinging as half the squad walks out and then they're on the transfer list that hasn't happened they have got Deutsch back scored one in five they've won one in five they've lost three of their last four including Notts County at home Swindon away uh, and Mansfield away now for me, they're not in great form. I think Deutsch coming in has upset the rhythm a little bit. And I know that sounds incredibly stupid, um, but I think it has. They've got some quality players. Um, they've got Reese Brown, who I really like. But they they can't settle on a formation, uh, on a on a, a lineup rather. I mean, they've they've had this Lewis Scoble come in from Middlesbrough. He's one of their the under twenty three players. He's quite highly rated, so he's been playing up top with Deutsch. Ruben Reed's on the bench. I mean, they've got a lad, Sean Mikalski. I really like him. And, you know, I write football league world. He's, he's come from Bristol City. Massively, highly rated player. Never going to get in at Bristol City. Kind of like a Moisa without the 24 goals for Cheltenham. So rather than coming up through the ranks uh, at Cheltenham and, and from Greenwich Borough, he's come up through the youth team at Bristol City. But he's a very, very similar player. And for me, he's wasted. Um so it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I, I can see us winning. I can see us beating Forest Green. And I'll nail my colours to the mass now and say that I don't think we will get beat. Um, Mark Cooper hates us. And I think he tries too hard to beat us. He tries too hard to do it in a certain way. When Lincoln comes to town, he wants to play football. He wants to show them that tippy-tappy, pissy-passy-passing or whatever you want to call it is better. And he's better and his teams are better. Um and Danny mm. and Nicky thrive on stopping that. Uh, and if we win at Forest Green, and we've then won at Forest Green, won at Morecambe and drawn with Exeter, okay, we're drawing our home games and winning our away games, that's enough for me. So be very interesting. Mm. Yeah, really interesting game. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're um, I'm, well, I say fortunate enough, I'm, I'm heading down there. Um, we've got uh, the in-laws family are sort of from Gloucestershire way. So we've got a bit of an excuse to, to go over. Um and I'm I'm actually really looking forward to it. I've I've not uh, I've not had as many away days as I'd like to have this year, but um, we're making up for that shortly because I don't think we're going to miss too many games till the end of the season, if I'm honest. So, um, yeah, let's let's see what happens on Saturday. I'm I'm really I'm excited, and I just hope that um, the the kind of negativity, um, which I know everyone's going to be feeling, because we weren't great. We weren't great on Tuesday night. There's, there's nobody going to sit here and, and pretend that we were. But um, one thing that I do, I, I just want to bring it up before we move on to, uh, we've got a sort of little bit of a, a pre-recorded bit uh, tonight. But one thing I do want to say, um, there was a there was a comment that got read out on BBC Radio Lincolnshire last night that I just I, I sat there with my head in my hands and I just thought, why why bother? even a, like writing a text message or a tweet to a local radio station saying, well, that's it now, you know, a kindy's a waste of money. It was very clearly sent before the, uh, 
before the equaliser. But he said, you know, Kindy's a waste of money and we're in massive debt. So um, why did we spend all that money on a striker? Why aren't we spending X, Y, Z? I just thought, just wind your neck in. For a start, we're not in massive debt. We've lost money, but we're not in debt. And secondly, just 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 go and like just, just go and have a sleep, a nice long sleep, like preferably I don't know at the bottom of the sea, like that would shouldn't be fine. Have been read out. But sorry, it shouldn't. They sent it no. before Akindi scored, so the views in that were based on the fact we'd lost the game. Now, whether the views are right or wrong is irrelevant. Um, in context, what they've done is taken a message that's been sent at one point and then applied it to another point, which has fed the anger. It shouldn't have been read out. Whether whether the points were right or wrong, um, whoever was in the studio looking at text, if they should, if that had come in before the goal, it shouldn't have been read out. Yeah, it was. It was just a. It was a moronic statement, and it, it just wound me up a little bit because I was sat there. I was elated after that. I really was. Like you say, it almost felt like we'd won the game, um, and then to come out and just hear somebody going off on one completely, uh, you know, at how the person that's just saved us a point that who knows how crucial that's going to be at the end of the season. Um, it just wound me up. But anyway, um, we'll move on. As, as I think is probably right for my blood pressure. And uh, we've got a pre-record, I do believe. Yes, last night I was lucky enough to catch up with Peter Doyle. Now, for those who don't know, um, Pete is the supporter of the Redimps Community Trust board, rep, supporters board rep, representative. So he's on the club board. Um, he attends the club, uh, the board meetings with the likes of Greg Levine, Clive Nates, David Lowe's and the rest of the gang. Uh, and then he feeds that back into uh, the Redimps Community Trust. Now we know the trust have not had the easiest of times um, in recent in recent past, but certainly over the last two or three years, they've been making uh, incredible steps forward in terms of both integration and the way that they operate. Uh, and so I caught up with Pete, and I just wanted to have a, uh, get his views on what he calls the hub and the spoke system, um, which is people and, and groups such as the former Players Association, the FPS, and Lisa, um, working with the trust in future um, to try and, uh, and expand influence at the club. So this is what Peter said. And let's talk briefly about um, the Redmond Community Trust and the, as you put it, the hub and spoke system that's coming in at the okay. moment with lots of other groups. Um, just explain yeah. uh, to the listeners what's that about and, uh, and how it's working so far. Okay, that was um, something that we were involved with. We've got, div- not diverse, but, you know, a, a few um, different supporters groups, Lisa, Lincoln, Dist- Lincoln District Supports Club, etc., uh, etc. Et so we, we came up with an idea um, to formulate a working group to to bring them into a hub and spoke uh, scenario. The hub being the Redims Community Trust, and the spokes being the aforementioned um, fans groups, if you like, and six one seven is part of that as well. It's a case of none of these groups lose any identity whatsoever. It just means that if to join in, which they have done, and it's agreed now, and it, you know, it wasn't an easy task, um, but you know, we, we had people like Andy Helgeson and uh, and all these, and, uh, and Maria, Maria Horner, etc. So just you know, totally buying into it, Trevor Swinburne, etc. Totally buying into the fact that we operate under one umbrella, which is the hub. We move out, you know, in, into the spokes, which are them, and each member of of the spoke will will uh, be part of 
the trust board. Okay, so they have direct access as a board as a board member of the trust, um, without sounding pretentious to me, as, as it stands for you know, but more or less to the trust director. Okay, which they didn't have in the past. So everyone's bought into that. It, it, it wasn't a five-minute job. It took a lot of work, and uh, and, and we're with it. We're with it, and it's all done with the right intentions. And hopefully, you know, it'll boost trust membership. Don't get me wrong, that's what we're all about. It'll boost trust membership and uh, and just keep things all in one all, all in one hat, you know, as opposed to any sort of shenanigans which might be perceived. Um, trust me on that one. Uh, there's, there's no shenanigans about it. The people involved have bought into uh, have bought into what we're trying to do. And I think it's a great idea. Uh, the club thinks it's a great idea. Liam Scully thinks it's a great idea, etc., etc. Uh, Clive Nates has gone on record again. I think it's a good idea, great idea. You know, so we're doing something right, and um, I believe that's what we do. That's how we move on. We move on as one, because as one, we're stronger. So there we go. That was uh, Gary's chat with Peter Doyle ahead of the Exeter game um, last night. Decent chat, that. It was uh, very enlightening. What I'd also like to say is I've got quite a bit more. Um, Obviously, that was only a couple of minutes, but I interviewed Peter for 10 or 15 minutes. So I'm going to be putting an article together just about the trust and the way that they uh, they operate and the the kind of changes that they've made. So... um, Hopefully that will be coming out today, Thursday, uh, but it just depends if the weather's nice and my mind wanders and I want to go and walk the dog or something, it might be Friday. There we go, you see. So, um, cool. Right, well, we'll move on. Um, there's a couple of couple of bits that aren't really City-related that um, I wanted to talk about because... Um, Obviously, one of the one of the the most impressive away days last year was was when we went to Coventry. Now, a lot of people at the minute there's there's a lot of people sort of saying, "Oh, well, we you know we're too corporate, or we're doing X Y Z, you know, and it's, this is wrong. We're, we're moving away from the fans." And there's a there's a small part of me that that thinks, "Well, you look at what's happening at other clubs, and you could think, well, this could go horribly wrong for us if this is where we went.'" Um, it's a it's a point that you've made several times before. You know, we're we're not beholden to one individual. We're not holding beholden to a um, a conglomerate or anything like that. But um, the unfortunate situation at the moment that Coventry are in uh, is is one that could see them expelled from the league. Um, so they uh, the, the long and short of it essentially is that they've got a rental agreement on uh, the Rico. And that runs out, I think, at the end of the season. Um, my understanding is that Wasps bought the stadium a few years back, um, but the owners of, of Coventry kind of still taking them to court and, and trying to get some sort of more clarity on the ownership or the sale of it. And it's it just seems like it's a bit of a mess. Now, when you say that you want you want to put the fans first... Um, this is, to me, this is what it's about. This is where, this is a, a, a conglomerate that's come in. They've gone, right, we're not um, We're not really going to care about the fans. We just want to make a lot of money. And there was actually a really good discussion about this on the Not the Top 20 pod this week, um, where they said about um, 
you know how they almost seemed to want to buy the club and take it back to the premiership as quickly as they could so they could turn a profit um, and that's obviously not worked out but it's it's heartbreaking really to see this for for Coventry um, and I know I think you wanted to bring up the situation with with Blackpool as well um yeah but the the Blackpool is the the different situations I think we can talk about rogue owners all day long. Mm. And you can talk about it going way, way back. It's always been the case. It's meant to be a fit and proper test. And I think at Charlton, they're going through it at the minute with the Duchelet, Duchelet. I call him Dutch Chalet because that's how it's spelt. Um, <laughs> you know, he's stopped the youth team having bottles of water at training and stuff like that. Utter dick. Um, but it, uh, one of the reason I wanted to bring Blackpool up was because this last week, Owen Oyston and his daughter, Natalie Christopher, have been removed from the board of Blackpool Football Club. Um, and that's really the first major step in in the direction uh, of the fans coming back. And for those who don't know, uh, the Oystons were uh, the chairman and uh, the, the, the family responsible for taking them to the Premier League. And when they went to the Premier League, they essentially sucked all of the money out. Now, if you listen to the Under the Kosh podcast, which I do... Um, as one of the former Blackpool players, and you must forgive me, I can't think who it is. I think it's Brett, Brett Ormerod, I think, uh, mm. does an interview and basically says how um, they were doing things like loaning £20 million to a company, Blackpool, make, making a payment to a company for £20 million, and when it was traced back, it was a company owned by the Oystons. I'm not going to say too much because the Oystons have got a habit of suing people, and I'm not sure if they listen to the podcast or not. My money's on no, but you never know. Um <laughs> And basically, the Blackpool fans have started staying away because they're going, we're not going to pay our money. We're not going to fund these these rogues and vagabonds. We're not going to put any money into their pockets. And so crowds have slumped. Blackpool went from the Premier League to League Two, got promoted last year. Gary Bowyer left. Um, there was a hint that that might have been partly because of the, the, the turmoil and a clash with this Natalie Christopher, which is Oyster's daughter. But they've gone. Um administrators or receivers rather were called in which sounds very very bad uh, but these people are now intent I think on, on putting the football club back on the right path one way or another um, the fans aren't going back just yet there's still things to be sorted in terms of revenues and, and that sort of thing but uh, just from from one football fan to another group I'm just bloody delighted they're going to get their club back um, and I'll hate yeah. them if we play them you know we might even come up with an amusing chant about being skint or about Something like that, because that's what we do. Uh, but it's like when your mates come around and my mate Dave comes around and I call him all the names under the sun, like, now nah, then you big soggy bugger, what you do it. Do you know what I mean? But in actual fact, I kind of, I like my mate Dave. And it's the same with football fans. We'll call them everything, but we actually like football fans. We respect people that go and watch their team in the flesh, even if it's a different team to us. Um, the Coventry yeah. situation, worrying. I don't think there's a cat in hell's chance I'll be expelled from the league. I think it will be sorted out one way or another. I don't think the EFL will let it, um, but it's interesting. Interesting that uh, that so many clubs are in such dire positions, especially when you look at the likes of Blackpool and Coventry in their mid-table in League One. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the other one in the um, in our in our league is uh, the ongoing saga of Notts County, uh, who. Seems like they may be put into administration shortly as well, which is you know never a uh, never a good thing as one of the first teams that went into administration following the ITV digital collapse. Um, we know how hard it is to be in that situation. Unfortunately, we were in that situation before they introduced the 10-point penalty. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a tough time. And I think there's a lot of people that, that almost want Lincoln City to 
to kind of not fall into that trap again, but I, I don't know what people want. I, I just think you've got to be careful what you wish for because ultimately, you, well, you, you've got to look at the way that the, the, the way that the board are dealing with things at the moment. And personally, they've committed to this whole no more unsustainable debt thing, and they've they've reiterated that promise at several occasions. So. No debt. It's no debt at the minute. The money, the the money that we've lost is coming from investors. It's not borrowed on loans. Um, so yeah. I think, it, look, I mean, this this is this isn't something that we can try and cover in five or ten minutes because no, no, no. Football economics is is crazy, but uh, yeah, I I don't. I can see when some people want additional spending, um, and I mm. get that. And I think I think if people actually saw what our budget was and actually saw what we'd spent on infrastructure there would be a little bit more expectancy um, for us to go up. And I think that we do a great job as a club of playing that down because we focus on, well, look at Forest Green, losing £2 million a year for the last three years. Yeah, they are. But they're investing just purely in players and wages and that sort of thing. Whereas I think mm. we're building slowly but surely. We're doing it in the right way. Um, and let's not, let's not be too... Um, too too blinkered to the fact that we're not owned by anybody because granted we're probably not owned by anybody directly but one or two of the investments have obviously come through the sports vest company mm. which is brilliant and again it's individual investors and it's I, I just think that those people that are coming through rather than it being alan hardy's paragon or whatever they are and suddenly they're not paying all of their company's wages because they do something else i just think the model by which people are investing in lincoln city is a model that has been devised with the club's safety in mind as much as the investor's safety and i think that's yes. um you know that's more power to clive nates um, there's money yes. coming in, so I, to, yeah. To, I mean, I when I heard that that tweet, uh, that message read out on Radio Lincolnshire, we're so in debt with selling season tickets early. I wanted to slap the guy um, because it's the sort of ill-informed, moronic comment uh, which drives me mental. And there's a difference between criticism, um, which is you know what a number of people who I often put horns with do, and that's fine because it's relevant. But there's a difference between criticism and just mindless idiocy. And that's what that comment was. It's mindless. Um, people mm. don't know the fact. And it's the same people that used to say we don't want to be promoted when we used to fall away at the end of a season. We can't afford to be promoted. We don't want to go up. Early 80s, that might have been the case, but it's never been the case since. But people used to believe it. They think everything's a conspiracy. Um, and even Kev Barwise, who has uh, got a mention for the second week in a row, um, but he obviously he believes in conspiracy theories and uh, lizard people and all that sort of stuff. Even he doesn't believe that we can't. <laughs> it, genuinely, he does. Ask him one day. It's fascinating and worrying at the same time. Um, but he, even he wouldn't believe that we don't want to go up or we can't afford to go up. And even he doesn't believe that we're a million pounds in debt. So if Kev doesn't believe it, I guarantee it's not true. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's absolutely fair. But uh, right, I think that's a good spot to wrap up. Um, Please, is there anything I needed a wee for the last fifteen minutes? <laughs> uh, is there anything that you want to plug before we disappear? No. Well, uh, there's something that I want to unplug in about thirty seconds' time in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a phrase! I didn't think we'd end with that. <laughs> um, I just, I just want to say uh, thank you to everybody that uh, that supported the uh, the gaming event over the weekend, the twenty four hour live stream. Um, we, I was really worried that uh, we wouldn't hit our target because we uh, last year we had a, a special guest in the form of a glamour model for the entire weekend, which was 
a very obvious way of getting an awful lot of sponsorship very quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we didn't have that this year. So I was a little bit, a little bit apprehensive that we wouldn't hit the target. Um, we absolutely smashed it. We were aiming for a thousand pounds. We hit 1485, I think as of this morning. So just under 1500 quid. Um, I was a very, very sleepy boy all day, Sunday and Monday. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for, for everything. I know there was a few people as well that, that got something from it. Um, so we did like the prize draws throughout the day. Um, if you haven't been in touch with either myself or the website yet, please do get in touch and we'll, we'll get stuff sent out to you as soon as we can. Um, but I know a couple of people have picked stuff up already. So thank you for, for all the support on that one. And uh, we'll probably do it again next year. And I'll probably be just as irritating when I'm trying to get sponsorship out of people. But uh, uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Um, unless there is anything that Gary wants to add before he goes and drains the lizard. No, just well done on the gaming thing. I think it's uh, it's great. And if Dean Wagstaff's listening, um, get in touch about that Pez controller. Top man. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, uh, we're going to go, guys. We'll see you next week and up the ends. Bye-bye. Take care, chaps. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.